Nostrum, the high school debate soap opera, where deontology is more than just an idea, it's a rebuttal, by Jules O'Shaughnessy and the Nostrumite, narrated by Jim Menick. Series 3, The Combat of Conquerors, Episode 8, We're Only in It for the Education. Max Clark is nervously tapping his fingers on his armrest. The plane will be landing in about half an hour, and he should be in his normal state of excited enthusiasm over storming into a tournament and having his team blast its way to the top. Instead, his stomach is churning, and he's wondering if, after this weekend, he will be facing unemployment. Don't come back without any trophies. That is the implicit battle cry of Affluent Geek Academy. The school does not participate in very many competitive activities. They do have a couple of tropical fish-collecting trophies. The little metal tetras where the Nike ought to be make a unique, if not exactly prepossessing, display on the team trophy cabinet next to the real tetras. And last year's comic book trivia contest did yield an Iron Man tie pin and a case of bottled water. But there is no trophyage whatsoever for sports. Not a single piece of tin. Affluent Geek has no football team, nor baseball team, nor basketball team. Half of the students in the school can't throw a ball, and the other half can't catch one. There are the occasional students so full of nervous energy that they can sprint for a hundred meters or so, but as a general rule they look so scrawny compared to the other participants who show up at track meets that they can find their running to staying at the back of the pack, keeping as much out of harm's way as possible. It is in the debate arena where affluent geek shines. Almost every week, the team under the leadership of coach Max Clark will board their private plane and head to where the biggest tournament might be, and then either win the thing or come damned close. And when they return to Steve Jobs Airport in Cupertino, they never fail to emerge from the plane carrying trophies that are often bigger than they are, and plenty of them. Affluent Geek's dominance in debate is not accidental. As a coach, Max Clark is, in a word, a terror. He terrorizes his own students, and he terrorizes everyone else's students. He is notorious for sitting in the back of the room, waiting to jump on the judges if they decide incorrectly. That is, against Affluent Geek. This would not be all that unusual. There are plenty of coaches who do not take losing well, if he were not simultaneously in the back of the room in half a dozen rounds at the same time, plus the one that he himself is judging. No one knows how he does it, but do it he does. Being laid into after the wrong decision against affluent geek is known as being clarred. Hardly a person alive in circuit-level debate has not been clarred at least once in their judging career. Don't come back without any trophies. There are those who think that Clark is simply hyper-competitive. This may be true, but even more true is the fact that his job depends on winning. Plenty of teams look to win above all else, but that doesn't begin to describe the affluent geek situation. Most other teams' coaches have a day job teaching social studies or English, or have debate classes where no one really expects much more than surviving occasional local competition in one piece spread across a broad base. 
Afgeek, on the other hand, is a small school to begin with, and its debaters are hand-picked during the enrollment process, based on their test scores ranging back to pre-K. They enlist a new annual crop of debaters the way big football colleges farm their players from the high schools, or the way the pros farm their crop from the colleges. AG has one single display case for its debate trophies. In that case, they keep exactly 1,000 trophies, and a new trophy won by the team replaces the oldest trophy in the display, which is sent to a vault in the sub-basement. No one knows how many trophies are buried away down there, but estimates go as high as seven figures. It could be true. Don't come back without any trophies. Normally, Clar would be almost rubbing his hands in glee over the upcoming weekend. He has four debaters and five assistant coaches on the flight with him. The assistant coaches are, in reality, recent high school graduates who have kept their hand in the activity while in college making decent money and providing training, research, and case positions to the team. They also scout other debaters, auditing competitors' rounds to see who is running what to prepare counter-arguments and strategies. The four Afgeek debaters on the plane have taken trophies at tournaments across the country. The team travels somewhere nearly every week, so among them they almost can't help at least making it into elimination and qualifying rounds. But they are not all capital W winners. They are stars, but not superstars. Affluent Geeks and Max Klar's superstar is Alice B. Alice. Alice is a senior and has won not one, not two, not three, but four tournaments this year, all highly competitive national events. The ones she lost, she made it to the final round and dropped on exactly one ballot each time, probably because it would be too late in the tournament for the recalcitrant judge to get clarred. Alice B., or as she is often known, B. Alice, was odds-on favorite to win LD at the COC. And then she got the mumps, because her literally affluent geek parents, to whom science is presumably a believable idea, given that they make their living in technology, did not accept the idea that childhood vaccination was good for their lively little offspring low those many years ago meaning that at this moment, Alice B. Alice is home in bed with a head the size of a prize-winning pumpkin. No doubt the offspring of the other anti-vackers in the school are starting to blow up as well. Don't come back without any trophies. With Alice B. on board, there was no way affluent geek wasn't coming home with at least one trophy and perhaps the biggest one of all. With the remaining team members... Good as they are, there is a distinct chance that none of them might break. Don't come back without any trophies. Which means that Max Clark's job could be in jeopardy. Don't come back without any trophies. Don't come back without any trophies. Don't come back without any trophies. Please fasten your seatbelts. The co-pilot's voice comes over the intercom. Yeah, Max Clark thinks. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy tournament. Everybody else is also on their way now to Kentucky. 
For the last hour or so, the commercial planes have been getting back into the air, and Detroit Metro has even announced a departure time for the night and day's threesome on their LPW. One Facebook page after another has announced impending departures. The tournament is back on track. There are 71 debaters expected to show up after the late scratch of Alice Bialis. Perhaps the best analysis of who's who at the tournament is in The Conqueror, Stats McGillicuddy's debate tip sheet. Stats is probably the quintessential high school debate nerd. He started collecting tournament data as a sixth grader. Within a couple of years, he knew all there was to know about every debater, coach, and judge, both on the circuit and off. If you opened your mouth competitively anywhere in America, Stats knew about it within five minutes. And an hour later, he knew how you had done, who you had done it to, and how your judge or panel felt about it. Stats, whose given name was Malachi, had every intention of becoming a debater himself once he entered high school, but the drama of numbers and data, which might overwhelm the average forensician, became more interesting to him than actual forensics. He began to dedicate himself to getting more than just the numbers. What were people running? What were their cases? What was winning for whom and what wasn't? What judges liked which arguments? What tournaments favored which styles of debating? It reached the point where young Malachi realized that, for a big national tournament, he had a pretty good idea in advance of who was going to win. As a matter of fact, for just about any tournament, Malachi McGillicuddy could predict the results with almost preternatural accuracy. That was when Malachi began sharing his information. He took on the name Stats and started publishing a tip sheet in advance of every major tournament. He would go down the field and attach odds on who would go how far. All in good fun, of course, because, needless to say, the idea that people might use those odds in some proactive fashion that is, betting on debate tournaments, was ridiculous. Except in Las Vegas, where casinos will allow you to bet on which mosquito will bite first, provided the house gets a percentage of the take. When casino betting on debate tournaments started, no one expected it to take over from the way more remunerative field of sports betting, or any other kind of betting, but surprisingly, within a few months, there was a dedicated betting following for the activity book could be made on any tournament with COC limbs. The quantity of players was small, given that a general feel for outre philosophy, critical theory, and general rhetoric was required to learn one's way around the competitors, but the quality of their betting was high. The minimum buy-in for any tournament at the Rickroll Casino was $10,000, and that was just the starting point. Stats McGillicuddy was at the center of this phenomenon, Like the folks who got rich in the gold rush, not by searching for precious metal, but by selling supplies to the searchers, Stats made his stake by selling his tip sheet. Today, a subscription to The Conqueror, an online service, costs $1,000 a month. Players willing to drop 10k on any given tournament on any given week didn't give a second thought to such an expense. Not subscribing to The Conqueror was like going to the track without buying a copy of the racing form. It just didn't make any sense. The Combat of Conquerors is the tournament that draws the most interest in the betting parlor. For one thing, it is the least random of the majors at the end of the year. Debaters can come out of nowhere for the Catholic Forensic League or non-Catholic Forensic League finals, whereas competitors for the COC might run every week 
The amount of data available on them should be enough to make decent predictions, meaning that a parimutuel pool is a natural. Stats' The Conqueror isn't the only analysis tool available to the players, but even the Rickroll Casino debate's primary home on the Strip considers it the best. Which is why we turn now to the special COC edition to hear what Stats has to say. After all, nobody does it better. The following is reprinted from theconqueror.com by permission, all rights reserved. Stats says... First of all, Scratch Alice B. Alice, Affluent Geek's lead debater, would be going into the COC as the top seed at 1-5 to five for the early money. Without her, the game becomes an odds player's dream, or nightmare. The loose triplets from Franciscan Jesuit Academy remain the most likely pig in the python. The creators of Crapo Theory have broken at least two out of three at virtually every tournament they have attended, but their sheer number makes them hard to pick among. Any one, or even two, can and no doubt will meet in a coach over. So, who goes the furthest? Lou, Lou, or Lulu? Your guess is as good as mine. If you could play them as the field, three to one. But you can't, which means our money is on Lulu at two to one, with Lou and Lou at five to two each. Sorry about that one. Hold your money until you see what they run in the early rounds. If it's not Crapo, then the French will be coming. But if it is Crapo, what are they holding back? North South Central's Durr Wilson has lost some momentum with his race material in the last few months, as the best opponents are just as likely to claim the judges' races as Wilson is, or even to claim that Wilson is a racist. Still, Wilson knows how to debate out of the tightest paper bag. Four to one. The Petunias are riding in on their rape narratives, but the judges are starting to suspect that there may be an element of fiction in their harrowing tale. Still, it's powerful stuff, and Marcy Mann and Liz Giuseppe know how to spin it. Stat says 5-1 to one on both, but once again, what are the odds of a coach-over? Night and Day's Haley Milstein is the classicist's choice. Her record is almost as strong as Alice B. Alice or Kim Kim, and her performance at Round Robins has been remarkable. She'll be hard to beat in the early going, but does she have the stamina for day three? The lack of a strong team to work with over the weekend might begin to show in the stretch. Five to one. Which gives you seven choices for the top four. After that, it's a little more of a horse race. Manhattan Lodestone is a sure bet to break with GBLT star G. Elliott. No one ever knows what side of gender G will come out on at any given tournament, and the need to prep every possible variation usually leaves most of the less-than-top people in the dust. Eight to one for getting into the Octogiants. Veil of Ignorance continues its machine-like march of interchangeable cogs with six, count them, six LD qualifiers. We look at Sinjin Rivers as another eight-to-one candidate. He'll break but we don't know if he'll get much further than the Octogiants. Kim Kim from Cahoots High is a knock to break, given that he comes to the starting gate with more individual tournament bids than any other player. Not a weekend has passed since Labor Day when KK wasn't debating somewhere and earning another COC limb. Ten to one for winning it all, but a virtual guarantee for breaking. The name alone will win him half his rounds on rep. And those are our top ten. Figure out your combo on the top two double, and given the lack of an odds-on favorite, you've got a good chance. We bet the farm that all of these will hit the octafinals round running. If you want to run a full octas bet, picking all the top 16, there's big money in that one. We've got you covered in our next edition due 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. We'll have information on the other big players, including Affluent Geek, Monteverdi, and Algren on the Beach. Game on, debate fans. Will Max Clark claw the judges in every round of the COC?
Will affluent geek bring back any trophies? Will Alice B. Alice survive the mumps? Will Stats McGillicuddy correctly predict the winner of the tournament? Is there really a debate book betting room at the Rickroll Casino? And do they serve debate Azidi there? We're too busy putting down our money for the Octafecta bet on the 16 debaters breaking into the COC limbs to answer any of these questions in our next episode, There's One Pixar Movie I Refuse to Let You Have, or Never Gonna Give You Up. <laughs>